In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. On January 22nd, 2019, the total number of movies on Craig's List was 100. 101, if you count Manana the Spring as a separate movie. If you lay those movies end to end, they would make one movie lasting exactly 245 hours, 33 minutes, and 15 seconds. Try getting Carla to sit through that one. <laughs> on, <laughs> on Craig's list, there are 13 movies from the 60s, 17 movies from the 70s, and 31 movies from the 80s. The 80s? Seriously? <laughs> My name is C.C. Baxter. Craig Kikowski Baxter. <laughs> I know facts like these because I work for a podcasting insurance company. We're one of the top five podcasting insurance companies in the country. Uh, <laughs> our home office has one employee, which is less than the entire population of uh, Natchez, Mississippi. Uh, podcasting insurance is not a thing, and uh, I'm a crazy man. My name is Craig Kikowski Baxter. <laughs> My favorite it was when you said, uh, and you had to read more. <laughs> partially improvised, partially scripted, because there's actual statistics involved there. Sure. Hi, Craig's listeners. It's uh, episode 83 on Craig's List, and we're going to talk about my 18th favorite movie of all time, a 1960 flick directed by Billy Wilder and written by Billy Wilder along with I.A.L. Diamond uh, called The Apartment. It stars Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine, Fred McMurray, and it won the Best Picture Oscar. <laughs> it's early in the morning. It's, there's <laughs> apocalyptic rain in Los Angeles. but There's it's a, a fire going. There's a fire going. <laughs> it's a fake fire on a large TV. Uh, but we're in a very well-appointed home in a very nice sector of the Los Angeles area. Don't give out their address. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have two wonderful guests today, and they are Matt Gorley and Amanda Lund. Yay! Hi, morning, guys. Good morning, Welcome. everyone. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. We're all in our pajamas under the covers. <laughs> We're all cozy. Yeah. is cozy. <laughs> what a nice, warm, cozy movie to discuss today, Yeah, too. It yes. really is. <laughs> I love all the martinis. Oh, I love this movie so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, why did I pick you guys for this movie? Well, I think that you were having an outdoor film festival for a while. That's right. How many of those <laughs> came to fruition? Well, over the past couple of years, we've probably done about 10. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe 10 or 12. Yeah, we just, um, when we first got this house, we have kind of a big outdoor space. So Matt had the bright idea of getting a big movie screen to put out there. Fine. Like a roll up one. Yeah. Oh, is that what you call it? Well, it, with a projector. Yeah, it's like a, fr a big frame that you uh, assemble. Yeah, we got it on Amazon. Yeah. But so we've been doing this thing called Cinema Pasadino where we show <laughs> movies in the summer outside. Yeah. And yeah, we were going at one point. I think you canceled the, you were going to show the apartment and canceled <gasps> it. Yeah, because that's when your family it? came into town. Well, that unexpectedly. Was two years ago. 
Well, I mean, this is a while ago, but I oh, think that's I how it was. Yeah, that's how in my mind I I was like, when we get to the apartment, I'm gonna have Matt and Amanda as my guests. But that makes sense. I don't know to what degree you're familiar with this movie. If you've seen it multiple times, uh, please tell me your history with this movie. <laughs> well, I truly do love this movie. I've owned it for years, and what's funny is I bought it. As a blind buy, I'd never seen it, but I loved Billy Wilder. Jack Lemmon's one of my favorite actors, and I just knew that I would love it. And so I watched it, got three quarters of the way through, and I can't remember the circumstances. This is probably like 15 years ago. I fell asleep or something, which is not uncommon for me. <laughs> what do you mean you can't remember the circumstances? <laughs> well, I fell asleep. I can't remember why I fell asleep. Oh. <laughs> but that is no you expect him 15 years later to remember why he yeah. fell asleep. Uh, on, I on thought you were insinuating night. someone had knocked you out. Or, <laughs> or... I'm saying, I'm saying that for me to fall asleep in a movie is no indication on the quality of the movie. It's an indication on me. I fall asleep. Sleep a lot I do too, movies. Matt. Yeah. I do all the time, and I really appreciate you saying that because yeah. that's how I feel too. <laughs> I fell asleep in some brilliant movies before, and I do feel like when you say it, it's more credible than when I say it. <laughs> Why so is that? I'm glad that this <laughs> is now. You're a man, <laughs> we live in a world where men are allowed to fall asleep at movies, well, but women are, are better at women. sleeping than women. <laughs> <laughs> women are ostracized for it. I will not fall asleep in a movie. I usually can't. But what was that movie we put on the other day? It put me right to bed. That weird cool. movie. We watched Looker, on. written and directed by Michael Crichton from the 80s about plastic surgery uh, <laughs> patients getting murdered because they're being turned into computer-generated versions of themselves for Whoa. TV commercials. It's bonkers. It stars Albert Finney and James Coburn. That sounds amazing, it's actually. Really good. <laughs> She's it, a looker. It'll put you right to bed. <laughs> oh, I love what it. motivated a rewatch of Looker? Well, thank or- you for assuming it was a rewatch. <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> is Looker on your list? Is that on your I list? I can't reveal the top 17, <laughs> but uh, suffice to say, Looker uh, is not one of my 17 favorite movies. We have so. this new service that a friend put me on. It's a personal service of his called Plex that has movies like you can't believe just at your fingertips. It's it's heaven. And I've just been scrolling through. I love slow burn shitty movies from the 70s and 80s and 60s. And this one just came up and I went, I remember this from the video store. I don't know anything about it. I'm going to put it on. I put it on for five minutes and went, I got to wait for Amanda. She's got to see this. And then she fell right asleep. <laughs> I remember looking Looker being on HBO all the time yeah, in the early 80s. Yes. So I feel like I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I couldn't tell you anything that happens in it. I saw it and I couldn't really tell you anything that happens in it. And I didn't fall asleep. That's saying something. But I, so I had never seen the ending of the apartment until finally when we were going to screen it. And then, like Amanda said, my family came to town. This was, I think, two years ago and cut our whole movie season in half where we just didn't do the second half because it was my dad was not well and stuff and then we didn't roll it over to the next year but then we watched it a few months ago for like kind of moving into the christmas season and then just ate it up yeah yeah and then we rewatched it last night and i was telling carla when you guys first got here that we were like well we just kind of watched it so we'll just put it on in the background and like do other stuff just to reacquaint ourselves but we both just like sat here and watched the whole movie and at first i was like oh it's over two hours wow but it went by so fast yeah yeah it's very tight not a lot of flab in this movie i think and just two very appealing lead characters in sure. C.C. Baxter, played by Jack Lemmon, and Fran Kubelik, uh, Kubelik, played by Shirley MacLaine. Such great names, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think Billy Wilder is one of those writers who puts a lot of thought into character names. Yeah. Sheldrake, who is the uh, the skeezy boss played by Fred McMurray, was a name that he used multiple times. I think we talked about it when we did Sunset Boulevard. Sheldrake is the movie producer uh, that William Holden meets early oh, on in Sunset yeah. Boulevard. And he used the name Sheldrake in another one of his movies, too. Cool. So I think he just got, like bookmarked interesting names. And all the other guys around the uh, the office that he rents the apartment out to, there's Mr. Dobish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of those guys, too, all of those character actors are recognizable from various TV roles, like yeah, Larry Ray Tate Walston. from Bewitched. Yeah, right. Yeah. My favorite Martian is yeah. Ray Walston. Uh, Dobish, I believe, is Edward Quartermain from General Hospital. Oh, my God. The patriarch of the Quartermain dynasty. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the other guy was somebody too. Um, <laughs> and then Fred McMurray, of course, was uh, the dad on My Three Sons. Which is interesting too because I had always known him from that show and from uh, Flubber, right? Yeah, he was yeah. the absent-minded professor and yeah. the, the, and also he was? The, the original absent-minded professor and wow. then son of Flubber and. Right. And the Shaggy Dog. He was in the yes. original Shaggy Dog as well. So I knew affable Fred McMurray. And yeah. it wasn't until recently that we watched The Apartment. We also watched Double Indemnity. And I had never seen the darker side of Fred McMurray. And it's really fascinating. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Billy Wilder knew something about this guy who was, you know, I, I think this is slightly before My Three Sons, but a, a guy that would go on to be like America's dad, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of like this all American guy that Billy Wilder clearly saw some sort of darker subtext. Yeah. And he's, he's kind of chilling <laughs> in yeah. this movie yeah. in particular of how amoral and, uh, sociopathic that's so interesting because it i feel like there aren't a lot of careers from that time that where that that actor could play such different types of roles you know like we're we're, we're given the opportunities to do that so that's really interesting that he then went on to become like america's dad (laughs) the the film also that they showed on the eve of the inauguration that he's in the political thriller where he's kind of a made candidate uh, TMC showed it as sort of like a under the under the like wire Manchurian movie. candidate. No, it was. It's a Fred McMurray movie. Yeah, where he's like, isn't it? Where he's the candidate that is kind of like this fast talking guy that's just a businessman. That oh, uh, are you thinking of Andy Griffith in a face I in am, the crowd? I'm thinking of yes, in the crowd, Andy but, Griffith. I do get those two mixed up. Sorry. But that's yeah. very similar. Yeah. Too, of like somebody that we know well from sitcoms and kind of like as this dad figure, as this venal, yeah. uh, evil character. Face in the Crowd is a great movie. Not on my list, but I would highly recommend it. It's an Ilya Kazan movie yeah. from 1957. Uh, how are so, you, Carla, by the way? I'm doing well. Thank you. <laughs> how are you? I'm doing well. Great. I just feel like we haven't checked in in a while. <laughs> you guys do this every morning. You check in with each other on podcasts. Good morning. No? How are you, Craig? We scrap a lot of the podcasts. We put out like one out of every 14. Yeah, but most of them are just us it's, checking in. It's when we can hi. communicate the most, <laughs> the, clear, the clearest. But you wait, you wake up and then you wait about five hours and then you finally check in. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so had you seen the apartment for the first time just a couple years ago then? Yeah, a couple months ago. Or it must have been like six months ago something or like something. That, yeah. But And I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, 
yeah, and that was my first experience with it. It had always been on my radar, like the name of it. I knew it was one of those movies that everyone loved that I hadn't seen. But for some reason I had, I don't know what my impression of it was, was um, that maybe it was about a couple who lives together and fights all the time. <laughs> um, kind of like, what's the one with... California Suite or, or Plaza, I mean, uh, Plaza no, Suite? No, what's the one Wait. about the, the couple and um, they're fighting all the time and they're like older. Oh, who's and, afraid of Virginia? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's not that far off in like time or look, yeah. you know, that's also like widescreen, black and white. Yeah. And yeah. Also, there's Days of Wine and Roses, yeah. which is a Jack Lemmon movie from like two years after this, where right. he with Lee Remick, where they're alcoholics. That's real serious. Interesting. Though. That's a very serious movie. Yeah. yeah. So every time, even when we, I had seen it we, a couple months later last night, we watched it again. When the plot is introduced, I'm always like, oh, it's this one. Because <laughs> it's such a shocking plot. And it's so weirdly specific that it always surprises me. Yeah. About like, was this a thing that happened a lot in the 50s and 60s that people would use other people's apartments for affairs? Well, uh, thank you, Amanda, because that allows me to segue oh. into describing the, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I don't know the answer to your question, by the way, but uh, I should at least describe the plot of the, oh, the movie, sure, yeah. uh, which is CC Baxter is a, uh, a rising young go-getter at this insurance company and he's loaning out his apartment to use for the, uh, the older execs at the firm, uh, to, uh, as you said, have affairs to take girls there. And so sometimes he's locked out of the place. Everybody who uh, lives at the apartment, his landlady and the the nice uh, Jewish doctor and his wife who live down the hall, assume that he's like a ladies' man who's <laughs> always bringing in a different girl every night. But uh, but he's just loaning out the place. And the inspiration behind this was the there's a David Lean movie from the 1940s, which is a, a British classic called Brief Encounter, uh, which is about a couple having an illicit affair. And in that movie, I don't remember if you actually see this character in the movie or if he's only referred to, it's a friend's apartment that they're using to have the affair. It's like and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern for a brief encounter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like picking up on the character who's unseen or the character who's minor in one uh, dramatic story and kind of spinning him off as the lead character in – I would describe this as a full-on dramedy, I think, because mm-hmm. to me, it's like it's equal measures comedy and drama. Th- that's yeah. the term. But uh, <laughs> I, I think, Carla, you were kind of surprised this time by how serious some yeah, of this movie it was, is. Um, so I first, I think I first saw it in college, maybe, and then saw it again years later with you, but hadn't seen it in probably 10 years. So um, I had remembered it as being like a romantic comedy, like full-on funny. And then as we were watching it, yesterday or the day before i was like oh my gosh i am so sad right now <laughs> this is so there's sad. a suicide attempt right yeah and and also just like how much he's in love with her and how much she's in love with this jerk and like how the guy treats it just felt so sad in a way that i couldn't appreciate when i was younger you know and now as an adult just feels like awful <laughs> like mm-hmm. the situation that they're in and how he has to He's like really bullied into giving his apartment to his coworkers, like full on bullying, you know? Yeah. And that's really, that was sad to me. He was just kind of, I don't want to say he, he wasn't pathetic necessarily, but he was definitely not, um, 
He's a schnook. He wasn't standing up for himself, and that made me really sad in a way that, <laughs> yeah, like, milk toast. yeah, and I just wasn't expecting that. And I also didn't remember how long it is before they actually, like, before she even really comes into the story, and then before she's at the apartment. Like, she's only really, they only have scenes together for maybe, like, a half an hour in the whole movie, mm-hmm. um, and it's mostly about his character yeah, Frank Kublik is the elevator girl. Yeah. At, uh, so occasionally you'll see her kind of like peripherally. Uh, we, we know that she has a crush on her and that some of the older guys are kind of macking on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, slowly we kind of discover the full story, which that, that she's had this long-term affair with Shell Drake, the boss. And, uh, and Baxter, who is ambitious and wants to rise up, uh, and, and the company finally agrees to lend his key out to Sheldrake and kind of freeze out the, the other guys who are also on the, uh, the schedule. I mean, the scheduling that this guy has to do to coordinate, <laughs> like, who gets the, the room at, at various nights is, is gotta be. It stressed me out. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's such a great scene though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also, if you want to spin off this movie, I also feel for the guy who has the desk next to him, who's like, hey, I've worked here for two years longer than yeah. you. Yeah. You know? I mean, also watching it through this time, I was kind of realized, like, they're both kind of like crappy people in yeah. a way. Like, he really is kind of, you know, not standing up for himself and not doing the right thing. So he can jump ahead of everyone else to get this promotion and she's you know involved with the married man and seems to have a pattern of behavior getting involved with the wrong guys but they're both so damn charming yeah there's a lot of that in this movie where i truly couldn't tell what's being written as like a true melodramatic villain or just like something you can kind of laugh off at the time like the four men who get the keys are obvious like they're they're bullying him and they're using him and he's using it for advancement but it's a sort of cute sort of like oh look at these old men (laughs) they're still having affairs on their wives and obviously sheldrake is the villain right but even at the same time what was the thing where i was like i can't tell if that's supposed to make him bad or I don't remember. I don't know. I mean, he's Fred McMurray, so he's charming. Yeah, he's you know, like you, you get like how he would rise to this position of power and, you know, be able to use his, his charms to win both men and women over to his side. Yeah. Oh, I remember what it was. It's when he fires his secretary because there's a moment where it almost seems like as a moviegoer in 1960, you're supposed to kind of go like, Oh yeah, she shouldn't have been meddling. She needs to be fired. Like there's almost that feel to it as opposed to her busting him for having this affair. But then later as it goes on, you realize, no, she's she did the right thing and she's part of what? I find the secretary, Miss Olsen, strangely uh, sympathetic, too. Definitely. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. 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 But at the time, I'm not sure she's supposed to be delivered as entirely sympathetic, you know? Mm-hmm. I think she's kind of a trope of a woman at that time, which yeah. is like a nose, busy body and nosy ninny. But definitely, I think you're supposed to be on her side when she finally goes to lunch with his wife. Yeah. 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 Yeah, when you discover that she was the uh, the other woman before Fran was. Right. I know. loved that. I feel like this movie's so great because there's no loose end. Like it's, it's so like the well perfect written. movie. Everything kind of ties back together and you know, nothing just is left 
to you know be it's like everything comes back in the end even yeah. down to some of the like comic callbacks of the how many drinks have you had three, three and, they and hold there's four, four. i was oh, just I thinking of that <laughs> and then how many men before and then yeah she goes three but she yeah. holds up four yeah. fingers yeah. it's, it's so, so great it's so good i like the idea too of what you were saying earlier amanda about how specific it is like it feels like a small story that's made into um, a dramatic life event, you know, totally. like how just his ability to like explore this one idea of like men who cheat on their wives and like finding sympathetic characters within that. And it doesn't feel like a best Oscar winner winning movie to me in a good way. Yeah. Where it doesn't feel like this sweeping, you know, yeah. Uh, I don't know, like really expensive kind of period piece or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, it's like a slice of life story yeah how many best picture films to that point were just domestic simple stories like this because they usually are sweeping epics or yeah. Something. yeah not very many i mean not very many comedies uh it, even though i said you know it, it does have equal measure of, of drama i mean i think you, it would probably be categorized as a comedy but you know it's certainly not light uh i, I don't think but yeah I, it's I'd be interested in going back and studying that year a little bit and seeing like why why this mm-hmm. rose to the top. I mean, it definitely deserves to. And he won Best Actor. Jack Lemmon did not. Jack Lemmon won. He had won Best Supporting Actor five years prior for Mr. Roberts, which was only like his fifth movie. So he had already had an Oscar for Supporting Actor. He and Shirley MacLaine were both nominated for this. And neither one. Neither one. Okay. I know that Burt Lancaster won this year for Elmer Gantry. I don't know what that is. (laughs) I can't imagine Shirley MacLaine not winning. Her performance is so amazing and she has so many monologues, but just the way she's just like one big sparkle. Yeah. Her eyes and I I, I just adore her. I hadn't seen her in anything as a young woman, I don't think really before the apartment. I was so familiar with her older version, her older personality. And to see these two, you can see the connection and the tissue that connects it, but they are so different. And she feels modern to me in this movie and i don't know if it's just her short haircut or the way her face is shaped like somehow she she looks like a modern woman yeah it is yeah Yeah, i agree it doesn't have that kind of um i don't know what is the transit transatlantic kind of i mean i guess this is later than that but you're right though yeah yeah still like in this time it feels like people even like marilyn monroe she's of this time, right? Like yes. so affected and yeah, it doesn't have that affectation. Yeah. It's interesting too. I was watching Jack Lennon who I just adore and he's this like incredibly skilled, like technical actor who is so believable, but also very heightened. And he kind of moves like a traditional clown. Like he has these snap little, yeah. like almost comedia del arte style movements. But at the same time, you're believing every little thing of it. But I've never seen a human walk through right. like that. Yeah. It's, He's it's very weird. mannered. He's yeah. mannered in movement and mannered in, in speech. There are other things from this era. Like I've seen Days of Wine and Roses. And I think... uh they were very acclaimed at the time, but it, it kind of reads as overacting to me now. I think, you know, he needed to have the, the right director and he worked with Billy Wilder many times. So I think some, in some movies, his mannerisms get to be a bit much for me, but I, I find him perfect in, in this movie in particular. Well, also he's supposed to be like this awkward guy. We we're supposed to believe that when he, is obviously in love with her. She's not going to be like, Oh, I love you too. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he has to be kind of goofy and awkward. Yeah. 
like the best friend, the guy best friend, as opposed to anybody you'd ever want to make out with. Right. <laughs> right? right. Now, there's also a thing that definitely reads weird today, which is because he worked for an insurance company. He knows all of and he has access to the yeah. employee files. Yeah. He knows where she lives. <laughs> He knows her height and weight. He knows her social security number. And I think that's supposed to be cute and endearing in the context of this movie. But now in a day and age where uh, people really can find out – anybody can find out any of that stuff on anybody else and, and stalk them, it it reads weird in a modern context, I think. He knows yeah. about her scar. I well, love that, that line though. Back too when I he know. shows his knee scar. Don't tell anybody how you found out. They're going to get the wrong idea about how you know that. (laughs) Yeah, it's so cute. I always feel bad for him when he's got that cold at the beginning yeah. and then he's there he wants to take her out but he's got that gross cold because <laughs> he had to I, stay out all night in central park yeah i know i know but yeah it does make you go like oh she probably wouldn't really want to you know get with him if he's so ill yeah it's <laughs> so true his character coalesces for me when her brother-in-law comes to the oh that's the best and he's going to get strict with him and he's pointing 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 and then his finger collapses into like a welcoming hand and goes, do you want a martini? And it just is so brilliant in his delivery, but also says so much about his character that he won't confront anybody. And it makes you feel all the better when he finally confronts Fred McMurray. Right. Oh, so good. It's so satisfying. Yeah. 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 And the, uh, his, well, I, I want to say this about, I, I bookmarked this thing about Shirley MacLaine that I just want to say, uh, <laughs> Which is, I feel like she's playing a very modern portrayal of a depressed character, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's not just that she's depressed because Fred McMurray, uh, won't marry her or whatever. I think, I think she, she's playing a depressive. Yeah. yeah she uh, wanted to be a, didn't want to be, but at least was going to be a secretary and couldn't even do that. Yeah. She's gonna, now she's relegated to the elevator. She lives with her sister and yeah, you can, you can see. All of that. When she has that line about the, the, she has the broken mirror, you know, compact, oh, yeah. and she says uh, it it helps me look the way that I feel. Yeah, that's so inside. Like I felt like that's not just in reference to just like a recent event of like that's just how she feels inside. So whether that was something that Wilder really wrote, I th- feel like she's giving a kind of performance to bring life to somebody suffering from depression and that's totally. something i didn't get seeing it as a teen or mm. whenever i saw it but just definitely as an older adult like yeah. that's what I, that's what i see that's what i mean it resonates so much the more life experience that you have it's one of those movies where it feels different the older you get in a in a way that's kind of heartbreaking <laughs> yeah and she's playing it so sweet and light and the character is so cheery and kind of outgoing mm-hmm. that it, it is a really dynamic character yeah it's got the specificity of a very specific time in New York and American business history, but it's got emotions and human behavior that feels universal and, and modern. So we were sit- talking about this last night, but I remember reading an article by Cameron Crowe where he, when he was casting Penny Lane and Almost Famous, he was like talking to somebody and they were like, I know that you want to find Shirley MacLaine for the, from the apartment for this and you're not going to. So, uh. you know, but I guess like that whole character was based on Penny Lane is based on, um, Fran in this, in this movie. Oh, that's cool. I can see that. Yeah. And even the part where she gets her stomach pumped or whatever uh-huh. is ex- almost exactly like how she does in this one where they uh-huh. stick a tube down her throat. Or yeah. whatever. Talk about a dramatic scene. 
Yeah. That whole scene after she overdoses with the doctor and keeping her awake and oh my god. Yeah. But it's so interesting that that this is a suicide attempt and then you've got Dr. Dreyfus who's so such a comedic, you know, like supporting comic relief. Yeah. To have that mixed in with that drama. But he's so real serious in that scene. I know, but he's still even like just Almost like the trope of the time, the way they kind of heighten his ethnicity and stuff like that feels like yeah, I love old school comic relief. I'm not saying in the best way, you know, but like it just that, has a mirror of that or something. In that scene, I love when they take the time to go show Jack Lemon make coffee. <laughs> it's yes. like in the middle of this dramatic scene and he just goes and you sit with him for like probably like 40 seconds Which while he great. makes coffee yeah. and i i love watching that oh, especially boy, if i got a movie for you yesterday i watched what? the if chris file and the entire <laughs> opening credits are michael Caine making french press coffee <laughs> <laughs> i love it i also like to see how people make coffee back John in the Barry day music. Yeah. It was i love that because i'm like oh they drink instant coffee yeah that's all he was doing powder in, in yep. hot water, right? Yep. That yeah. must have been a, that was probably like such an innovation in the 60s. It was just in the 60s, right? Yeah, in the yeah. 60s. 1960. Probably yeah. everyone was drinking instant coffee because it was people were like, oh my God, why ever Space like coffee. do a pour over <laughs> Space coffee? There was a, a third nomination for acting in this movie and it wasn't Fred McMurray. It was Jack Crucian, who plays Dr. Dreyfus, was nominated uh, for supporting actor. Really? So he was great. He was great. And I love how he thinks so poorly <laughs> of of um what's his what's the character's name again? cc baxter cc of course how could i forget um and then but he clearly cares and so like the whole time you're like why does yeah. he really care and then at the end when baxter tries to pay him he's like no i did it because i'm your neighbor and it like brings that whole i just don't think that that's the thing that we have necessarily anymore <laughs> in our culture which is like neighbors neighbors yeah. who are like look to. out for each other and yeah. y- who you can knock on their door and like borrow eggs and uh, it's just <laughs> such like a missing piece in our mo- modern day lives that made me kind of sad too <laughs> yeah I, w- I will agree that like that he feels a little broad you know but i th- i think uh, knowing that Wilder and Diamond, the writers, were Eastern European immigrants themselves, I think they, they, and this is very much like you lived in a world where, uh, everybody had parents, you know, and grandparents who were immigrants and spoke in thick accents and, you know, yeah. were, and, and they live in a very, you know, Jewish Eastern European world. And so I feel like he is a, a character, but a character that would have authentically existed at Absolutely. that time. Absolutely. Yeah. And same with Mildred too, even though she's even a little more heightened <laughs> yes. as a character, but it, it doesn't subtract. It's just an interesting mix. Yeah. 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 But it does feel like a little bit like, like Jack Lemon himself is like a holdover from a, a different time, more traditional acting and Shirley McLean's more modern. They feel like super well done versions of a vaudeville yes, duo. Yes, I can totally see that. Or yeah. Something. Now I don't know if this is because it's in black and white, but what are everyone's impressions of the impart of the apartment? Are is it supposed to be really nice? Is it supposed to be a little quirky? Because to me, it comes across as like kind of dilapidated and quirky. But yeah. I don't know if at the time that was like re- a really nice place or well, we were theorizing about this last night that when you asked us at the beginning of the podcast of is that a thing where you would just go to someone else's apartment and it made me think that probably because you had two other options go to a like a hotel where 
people would know that you were going there at night with no luggage, and that was just a thing you didn't do. Atlantic City. The only place you could do that was a really seedy motel. Yeah. So an option like this, which is probably like a mid-level apartment, was the best option, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, Don Draper totally would have wanted this apartment, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's not great... And it's not bad. Yeah. (laughs) And I think I read in IMDb, somebody extrapolated what his salary would be in modern dollars and it would, he'd be making around 40 grand a year. Oh, in New York? That's (laughs) well, well, his nice apartment for that. His rent was $85, right? Did he say that in the beginning? 85 a month. 90 some dollars a week. Yeah, he makes like ninety some dollars a week, and his rent is eighty five a month or something. Yeah, like that. wow. It just got raised from eighty to eighty five. <laughs> the the thing about his character too is that maybe a clue to the apartment too is that he has modern art up in his apartment, but it's all posters with no frames. Mm-hmm. So he has like a Mondrian and a, a Picasso, I think, but they're all just prints or posters, and they're not framed. They're tacked onto the wall. Interesting. And yeah. there's also that weird sort of um, marionette doll. In a rocking chair. Yeah. Did you guys notice that? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I love how they have, they do pictures of martinis and they have it on trays. And everyone, the whole movie, whenever anyone's drinking anything, it's a martini and they're just sucking them down. <laughs> it's the guy gets out of the cab with them in his hand. Yeah, that's, actually, that, that sort of detail, that detail where he's like, she's like, oh, he's like, oh, I ran out of liquor. He's like, we'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. They step out of the, the cab with like four cocktails. And then the other detail I love so much about this movie is um, on Christmas when the boss is in, in that robe and it has the tag on it. Like yeah. he just got it as a gift and he's yeah. wearing it oh, straight out yeah. of the box. Yeah, that's so funny. I love like those are great details. Uh, yeah, and I <laughs> the other weird details when you see Sheldrake at home with his sons, the the son who's talking about the flies propagating yes. in the rocket that they're going to send up. You're like, oh, this kid's going to be a serial killer, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he's a sociopath just like his dad. Well, yeah. they take moments from what are almost like little mini vignette bits. Same thing with when um, Jack Lemmon turns on the TV and it's just westerns, yeah. and he turns it off. That doesn't add anything to the story. It gives a little character, but it's just a little break for a funny moment. Of yeah, you can't find something good to watch. Or that the commercial keeps getting on there for the the movie he wants. Although to see. later he does say when she's like, "Do you eat by yourself?" and he's like, "Well, I no normally I eat with this actor or oh, Mae yeah. West. Yeah. She was much yeah. younger. Yeah. <laughs> I had dinner with her the other night when she was much younger." <laughs> so yeah. sad. <laughs> and this would be a time where you know people are everyone's just starting to have a TV. You know, it's like it was a little bit of a luxury in the 50s and like now kind of everyone has one and now they're starting to show old movies that haven't been like in rotation, you know, in the movie theaters for a while on TV. So like you try to sit down and watch Grand Hotel, which was the Oscar winner for Best Picture in 1932 and it just they they keep going to commercial breaks and not starting the movie. (laughs) Yeah, I think his commitment to uh being like a a a lover boy and of like keeping up that ruse is kind of strange but kind of noble in it in a weird way and i just love that moment where her brother-in-law slugs him you know because he's uh he he wants to take the hit you know for sheldrake or or whatever and she just kind of kisses him on the forehead and was like oh you fool you damn fool yeah. it's such a moving moment yeah. i think he's taking the hit for her yeah i think so yeah more than sheldrake yeah but this movie is so 
such a touchstone in romantic comedy. You know, I think so many romantic comedies have been influenced by it, but compared to things that have come after it, like the, the tone is, is different. It's more melancholy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely more melancholy. Even at the end when they end up together, you never see them kiss. I know. Which is so cute in the ending of them just like finishing out their gin yeah, game. And he fully professes his love and she's just like, let's play cards, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just really subtle. It doesn't hit you over the head. Yeah. I, mean, and I wouldn't call it subtle, but it doesn't, it's not storybook. It's very yeah, real. Yeah. And you're like, what are these two going to go and do? I don't, think <laughs> I mean, they're going to have a little bit of trouble. I don't think they're going to stay together. You don't think so? Oh, they're both suicidal question yeah i mean and that was so dark when he just kind of nonchalantly talks yeah. about the time he tried to shoot himself and then they all laugh about it yeah. and then you see the gun because i was kind of like is he trying to make her feel better and making this up but then you see the gun and you're yeah and then at the end when they kind of you hear that bang and you know it's a really sweet moment because she probably in that moment realizes she loves him i think yeah. and then it's like no it's just champagne you don't think they're gonna end up together i have to believe they're gonna end but what up are they together. gonna do for work <laughs> well, that's just it. I think they're going to probably do different things with their lives. They'll go be teachers. They're not going to do this rat yeah. race anymore. And yeah. if you believe they're, both of them make big decisions to stand up to the bullshit they've been doing. And you hope that that was big enough to make, I mean, especially if they move or maybe they move into the apartment together. I don't know. But what, what does become of these And two? I, I don't, I hate answers. to sound like, uh, like a feminist, though I am. <laughs> I hate to sound like a feminist. Okay. I hate to like get on my soapbox, I guess is a better way to say this. I think she needs time to focus on herself. Like sure. she's got to figure her shit out. And, and that's why I love that she doesn't say that she loves him back. I love that too. Yeah. It's like, okay, we can maybe date or like, let's just hang out for now. Let's just be friends. Amanda's Let me... never told me she loves me. <laughs> always. It's always about the cards. Yeah. We're always playing cards. Yeah, we do like kings in the corner. Every table <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe he heads back to Cincinnati. Maybe. And she goes with him. Maybe. maybe. Oh, come on. Well, let's go chronologically through the movie a little bit with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quotes. <laughs> there weren't too many. There weren't that many. Uh, a, a lot of very similar things. I kept, I think you kept saying, uh, she's so cute. <laughs> she is. She is. Uh, she is. I said that too. Adorable. I said those exact words. Yeah. <laughs> I think I referenced this when we were covering maybe the verdict or the conversation because I, I have four performances that are like all time for me of my favorite movie performances. And one is uh, Paul Newman in The Verdict, Gene Hackman in The Conversation. Another performance that is the number four movie on my list I think that we'll cover later. And then the other one is Shirley MacLaine in, in The Apartment. I mean, wow. it really is yeah. to me just one of the most moving performances of, of all time. It is. I I'm gonna start crying. Craig? I'm gonna start crying because I, I think she really moves me in this. Um, that opening scene of Baxter at his desk with the, just like infinite desks that are going oh. back is like such a cool shot. I, that and all the President's Men, two of my favorite sets mm. of just endless desks. <laughs> oh. 
And I guess that was an homage to a famous silent movie called The Crowd uh, from 1928, which was an influential movie on Wilder. But how they did it in this movie was with forced perspective. And back in the back, there are tiny desks with children sitting at them. Really? Yes. I love that. Tiny desks with children. I want to see that movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's called Bugsy Malone. (laughs) And then there's some like fake desks that are painted behind them. So like it's all like forced perspective. Oh my God. That's amazing. Uh, The theme is pretty great too. Yeah. And I had noted the uh, the composer was Adolf Deutsch, and I'm like, well, you wrote a pretty good theme, Adolf Deutsch. But apparently, the theme song was by another composer entirely, and so it was it was more of like a needle drop. Uh, it was it was written for another movie in 1949. Really? But it uh, it did become a top ten hit in 1960. Theme from the apartment. Will someone wow. sing the theme? The apartment. But. I got a key. Want to see me have a martini? You don't remember that? No. Oh, I go to it so many times. But it was sung by um, Rick Shaw Boy. <laughs> <laughs> that is something that does not hold up, I will say. <laughs> Rick Shaw Boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it goes da 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 da. It sounds Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a great theme song plays over the opening credits and then uh when she goes into the Chinese restaurant uh and indicates to the piano player uh then he, he launches into that I didn't yeah, notice that. Yeah, wow. so it's played also there like she's like, "Hey, play a theme from the apartment." <laughs> play uh, the theme from the movie I'm living right now. <laughs> I that love that Chinese amazing. restaurant. Yes. I want to go is I want to go there and have a daiquiri like how she does. That looks good. Be incredible. Everybody should like how you get a social security card or a driver's license at some point you have a theme written for you and yeah. when you walk into bars it's like a chip in you now the band starts playing your we theme. have that technology why is that we not do. happening that would be amazing yeah. oh, like you know you can go into a store now and they know your preferences and things will come up on screens and stuff it should just play oh but yeah, and then when uh, Sheldrake takes Fran to the apartment later, and he's he's got he's bought the album, uh. um, by Rickshaw Boy, who is the piano player at the Chinese place, and somehow he has a fully produced album with a symphonic score on it. She bought that for him, right? She bought that yeah, for him. His yeah, like, gift. Yeah, here's my theme. I want you to have it. <laughs> What if you had an awful theme? What if you were assigned, like, oh. I get knocked down or oh something? God. <laughs> I'd take that. Tub you thumping? Yeah. What uh, is it called? Tub thumping. Tub thumping. Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, ten nominations for this movie, five wins. Billy Wilder, the very first person to win Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. Good for you, Billy. Uh in that opening uh, monologue about all the statistics that he knows uh, from being an insurance agent, uh, 8 million people in New York, Carla said, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and amazing, though, that the New York population has remained pretty steady. It's about 8 million now. No kidding. Yeah. That's surprising. You think it would be more or yeah, less? L.A. is basically like multiplying exponentially. Mm-hmm. I guess there's more room. Yeah. I think people come here to settle, too. People go to New York like... You know, live live fast. <laughs> yeah. You want to settle or meddle? <laughs> my salary is eighty five dollars a month, or no, my or my rent is eighty five dollars a month. Carla said, "Yeesh, can you even imagine?" <laughs> I can't. 
We've got a pretty good deal in Atwater Village. We do. I have a quote for Amanda when you're done. Great. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And Amanda's uh, observation? Um, I was trying to think of a different word. No, I can't think of one. Yeah, one that begins with an A, there isn't one. Amanda's observations. Yeah. Amanda's Amanda's observations. Aphorisms. Adlibs. Adlibs. Adages. Adages. Uh, Whoever the first guy that we see leaving the apartment might be Dobish. Uh, because he's the guy that, that Baxter apes his like blank wise thing. Like he formulates everything of like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's how it crumbles cookie wise, Mm -hmm. you know, but he's the guy who does it. And then Baxter kind of, uh, parrots him. But, uh, but he's the one who says, why do all you dames have to live in the Bronx? (laughs) Cause he, cause he's got to pay for a cab, uh, to send her to the Bronx. Carla said, yikes, that guy's a real Don Draper, huh? Well, he won't. He he wants to walk her to the subway, and she's like, "No, put me in a cab." I love that woman. I love. I think it's when they're at the bar, when or maybe it's they're at the apartment already. She goes, "I want to have another martini first. Yes. and she does this little like shimmy and a little like walk. It's, oh, now, I just love how they portray all of the the other women. The woman at the bar with Ray Walston when he's oh. in the phone booth. She that is like one of the best thirty second performances I've ever seen. Yeah, incredible. She's amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of very funny performances. The, there's the one who's the uh, the switchboard operator at, oh, at the great. place. Then there's the Marilyn Monroe type girl, uh-huh. and uh, Wilder had just worked with Monroe in Seven Year Itch and uh, Some Somewhere. Like It Hot. Um, and then yeah, the girl that Cece picks up at the bar is just she's amazing, fantastic. She's wonderful. Yeah, poor thing. I know. I know. She really. I like how she says she's gonna tell her husband, <laughs> and he's gonna have yes. words he's for in you. Jail in Cuba, right? <laughs> Mickey, he's in jail in Cuba. Yeah, <laughs> the specificity of that character. When my is... husband hears how you treated me, <laughs> what does he do? Did they say what he was doing in Cuba? I, I, like I'm imagining he's involved with the mob or, or something, you know, because it was a big gambling mecca yeah. too, right? And isn't he tiny? Is he a jockey or something? Yeah, she says, he's right. f- so cute. He's five foot 89 pounds. <laughs> oh, right. He's probably something fixing like horse races for the mob for Michael Corleone. <laughs> uh, Hope Holiday, by the way, the name of that actress. Uh, and she was wonderful. Um, we see CC. We see CC. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> we see CC. CC people on a memorandum. And occasionally BCC them too. Listen, oh boy. BCC <laughs> but he's got one of those old school remotes, which is yeah. literally a dial on the table next to you that you click to change the channel. It was wired to the TV, right? Like it wasn't even, I don't think it was a remote. remote. On a, it wasn't a signal. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, Carla said, that's crazy. Why are you changing the channels like that? <laughs> and then I said, my grandparents had a remote like that. And you said, yeah, I guess you're kind of old, aren't you? <laughs> Not even your grandparents are old. It's your old. <laughs> we had a VCR with a wired remote. Really? really? Yeah, it was an early, cheaper VCR. Not early. It was just cheap. It was like the heyday of VCRs. Everyone had one. But it had this big, like little regular sized remote, but connected to a wire that was like... 25 feet long. Wow. <laughs> Wild. I would love to see something like that now. Yeah. <laughs> you could Google it. Probably. Yeah, probably. You're right. When they do come in out of the cab with the martini glasses, Carla said, isn't it easy to buy a bottle of booze? Buy a bottle of booze is very alliterative. <laughs> <laughs> buy a bottle of booze. I'm going to buy a bottle of booze. 
Uh, my favorite line from the doctor, by the way, is Mildred. He's <laughs> at it again. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. And they just the timing of them always just seeing the woman outside and yeah. never the other guys is so funny. It is. Yeah. That's broad for sure, but but it works. Yeah. Totally works. It's farce. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because even when the doctor is coming in after Fran has tried to kill herself, there's the other woman who's like, uh, is right there, right? Yeah. You know, so he, and then, uh, and then Ray Walston shows up with his date, right? right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Miss Kubelik knows everybody's names, by the way. And we, the, we've said there's like 30,000 employees there, but she's greeting everybody by name yeah. as she's they get the on the elevator. She's the best elevator girl. That's what <laughs> yeah. they say at the beginning. She's the hottest and the best. <laughs> <laughs> she always wears a flower. Music Man must have been playing on Broadway at that time. Cause that, I mean, that, musta. It musta. <laughs> uh, but those, those theaters still look the same. Yeah. Uh, the, those marquees and everything and, and the, those theaters, I think, have not changed in, in years. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Like something that was clearly on location of him standing outside. The Majestic. The Majestic. Is that still an existing Broadway theater? I think so. But I is think that it what is. the Jim Carrey movie is about? It's about a theater. It's called The Majestic. Oh, That's right. I never saw York that one. one I've never seen it. He knows her height and weight and social security number. Carla said, creepy. <laughs> uh, what was uh, Amanda's observation? The movie ends and then the end comes up in type. <laughs> and then it fades to black and the MGM logo comes up. And she goes, is there more? <laughs> <laughs> and then go ahead. Oh, well, this is hard to explain. This it won't translate because we just both had some absent-minded quotes last night yeah but this is not about the apartment we were watching that movie about the fire festival the documentary (laughs) oh yeah Uh, that was crazy the netflix one or the hulu one we watched the hulu one okay yeah can i i just want to pause on the apartment for a second i keep seeing tweets about this and i don't understand why there are multiple versions of this documentary Uh, apparently it was there just couldn't only be one well (laughs) one of them is slightly sanctioned by one of the groups involved with the whole thing okay. or the other that one they were involved in promotions or something yeah. or the other one is more outsider document okay okay got it all right so what was the quote uh, well it's actually like almost impossible to explain all right. it, i just don't even know how to say it but it was funny so what, if, what if we promise <laughs> to laugh even if we don't get it what there if was, there was okay just, oh, go ahead okay so basically they did this big promotion where on instagram they had all the to promote the festival all the influencers put up these orange just a picture of like an orange background at the same time and it was just this like burnt orange background and matt was watching it and they were the screen was just filled with these orange squares because they were like bloop 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 all the instagrammers and then matt just goes that is beautiful <laughs> i meant to say like clever or genius but I, I, instead i'm like that's beautiful like, <laughs> i thought that was funny i get it okay, it's because of trump because he uses beautiful as a all-purpose adjective that could mean anything oh, yeah it's because of trump, trump. <laughs> <laughs> we won't get into that today but uh, but you do love him love him i wonder yeah. if he's seen the apartment Mm, good question. I feel like he's never seen a movie. <laughs> I think you're yeah. right. He's never engaged with any. Too, he's never he's never read a book, <laughs> never listened to a song. I think yeah. he has seen like two episodes of The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> he's watched every episode of The Apprentice and Home Alone too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 
during the movie, Carla uh, told me, I would never cheat on you. I would break up with you before. That's nice, Carla. <laughs> yeah. That's the right thing to do. I agree. Right? <laughs> just, just tell me you're planning. On, I mean, I met I'm a guy. In I'm, I'm in it with you. Okay. We're married and that's, it's happening. <laughs> but yeah, I would never cheat. I would just, yeah, you I would give just him a heads like, up. Yeah, I'd be like, look, this, That's I'm nice. not feeling great about us. <laughs> not feeling great. I'm a little under the weather. Uh, <laughs> I got a little bit of a cold. Let's end this. But uh, back then, like, you, you just didn't really divorce. Yeah. I mean, it just. There was such a stigma to divorcing. And I guess people usually married the first person they had sex with or, or that wanted to have sex with when they were 21. Or like their families knew each other or they were like this, of the same class or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Depressing. <laughs> yeah. Good thing that wasn't how it went for us. <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to think of who I'd be married to. <laughs> I'll tell you this. We would have been married 27 years. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, how old are you? I was a late bloomer. I was 18. Oh, when you had sex for the first time? <laughs> Marty, don't be a delicate. <laughs> oh, I get it. I was 20. No, 19. I think I was 18 or 19. 20. Whoa, uh, a couple of real, It was us. It was a real yeah. couple of nerds. <laughs> when you were 20, I was much younger. I was, in, I was in college. I was not in high school either. Yep. I may have been 19. But I was studying sex. <laughs> were you a sex major? I was a sex major. <laughs> Into some major sex. Yeah, you guys are nerds. With it's okay for girls, <laughs> not for boys. <laughs> now, he describes himself in this movie as a famous sex pot. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's a term great. that's kind of fallen out I of favor, right? Things like, and also like, what a fox or hot to trot divorcee. Yeah. Or <laughs> ring a ding divorcees ding. were hot to trot because like the women, like remember this on Happy Days? Yeah. There was a divorcee and she had to be hot to trot because she was single again, which just meant by definition she was looking for it. <laughs> Uh, I also like the doctor's line, live now, pay later, diner's club. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which is like, diner's club must have been a new thing at the time because it was yeah. the first credit card, yeah. right? It was yeah. the first time that anybody had credit cards. Yeah. Uh, and so like, the, that's the equivalent of like, you millennials. <laughs> uh, Carla, not crazy about slapping uh, a patient to revive them Ooh. from their, their suicide. It's shocking, right? Yeah. I mean, he you get why he's doing it. Although, I mean, she could have been taken to the hospital. Yeah. But yeah, that was rough. But Ugh. apparently they had doctors on set to ensure the accuracy of... <laughs> Really? Uh, how you would deal with a, uh, yeah, wow. it seemed a pill specific. overdose. It's yeah. very specific. And just like now knowing, I don't know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want to sound like a feminist again. I know. I You're signing off on the slapbox. But like, it feels a little indulgent when he, when Billy Wilder took the time to follow Jack Lemon into the other room to make coffee, <laughs> you know, like while her stomach was being pumped. Like, I don't know that we necessarily needed to keep the camera on him basically punching her face yeah. for that right, long. Right. It just feels like why show one and not the other? I don't know. Cause she vomits off camera. Right. Yeah, right exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't have shown that at the time, but I mean, this movie was pretty risque at the time. I Must mean, uh, I mean, it's very, it, it, it's delicate about it, but it, I mean, it's very overtly about sex and 
suicide taking that that seriously yeah there was also there's a hell in there somewhere too and like the even that like feels a little shocking when somebody says uh there's hell in this movie there's a there's a depiction (laughs) of hell (laughs) you might have you might have left the room is it all those little children at the desk (laughs) (laughs) welcome to hell Uh, after her suicide, when he's trying to get rid of the the guy who's bringing her attempted his, suicide, her attempted after her suicide. <laughs> oh, spoilers! Uh-oh. She kills herself <laughs> after her attempted suicide. Uh, when the, the guy shows up with his date and uh, and Baxter's trying to get rid of him, he's like, "We'll have a little party, the four of us." Oh yeah, and, yeah, and Carla swingers. said, "Ick." <laughs> <laughs> the tennis racket to strain the spaghetti is pretty iconic. I too. love that so yeah. much. It's very cute when he's doing it too. Yes. <laughs> uh, when he's doing the Italian singing, uh, Carla said he's being weird. <laughs> uh, there were some. I think I was. It was in reaction to what Matt was saying earlier, which is like kind of this very like mannered vaudevillian kind of thing happening. Yeah. Um, it works ultimately. Fine, whatever. I don't know how good that spaghetti looked though. To be honest, yeah. And I also hate when people never. You never see people eat what they make in movies. <laughs> so that bothers me. You should be obligated to, see, to finish it. Yeah. I wanted to see someone eat the spaghetti, even if it was just him alone, you know, or whatever it was. And then again, she's drinking martinis like 20 hours after she got her stomach pumped. Yeah. She's like back at it. And even right after she gets her stomach pumped, he's like, you want champagne? You want champagne? Right. It's like, dog. I guess. <laughs> Did you have the instinct for him to eat the spaghetti that he found yeah, when he's packing? I was yes. wondering, how is it still moist? I, how is, I was how is it limp? Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would have hardened in that time. Um, that's what she said. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, oh, you fool, you damn fool scene. And then you seem so embarrassed when you said that. I was by the very way. embarrassed. I don't know why. I don't know why. You got pretty embarrassed before that. you said it. Like it's too, here I yeah, it's too early. Was that written down? <laughs> yeah, I wrote that this morning and just obligated to say it. Um, but how about that final showdown where he stands up to Sheldrake? Oh, how so about good. it? How about so it? So good. Down to everything where he leaves his ex- junior executive derby on the maintenance work. Yeah. 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 Oh, the scene of, with the hat where he's like, would you be embarrassed to see him, uh, be seen around town with a man wearing a hat like this? Yeah. <laughs> it's so, I mean, that scene is, could be from like a Seth Rogen movie. Yeah. Like it's yeah. so funny and just like still so relatable. I mean, just the idea of a man trying to be something he's not with a hat right. is like that is still men all around the world are doing that every day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the other day, Matt and I went shopping for a hat together and, and you were modeling Basically the hat and the going thing. like, is this hat OK? Like it's just men in hats. Because yeah. well, these days, especially, they are just not a normal thing. And I'm not talking a ball cap. It's just like a yeah. A brimmed hat. He bought a junior executive cap. I did. I bought a derby. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was also wondering what this. I may be reading too much into it, but the way he dresses as an executive is with that derby and the black overcoat. He looks like those Magritte paintings that is like modern art oh, of, totally. the, of the sort that he's putting up yeah in and when department. he when he has the also oh, when he has yeah. the black guy and is wearing like the what look like ray-bans um and, and with that yeah. that hat i mean he looks so cool that's kind of an I- iconic visual right because i feel like i've seen that before yeah he's like especially those glasses are almost like they were big and almost 
feminine a way like in dr no jack lord wears cat's eye sunglasses and it's the most striking strange thing for this cool (laughs) secret agent to be walking through jamaica wearing cat's eye sunglasses (laughs) i love it he ended cat's eye who are you talking about jack lord who plays the american cia guy in dr no in the first bond movie oh when he's down is he felix yeah, he's Felix Leiter. I yeah. love that and you he, managed to get a Bond reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give me, give he's got to stay on brand. Yeah, that's right. Uh, in that scene, though, Shirley MacLaine is brilliant because she's devastated. And yeah. so the whole, but she's trying to be charming and she's trying to like go along with what he's saying and really care about his hat. You know, she's trying. Yeah. And he senses that something's off, but he's too drunk to really pay attention. It's Some just such Christmas a Christmas party, scene. too, huh? Yeah. Well, that's something I noticed about that, too. In the background i've always noticed the people dancing on the desk but i never realized one was ray walston and so even during the entire scene in the office with jack lemon and shirley mcclain in the background ray walston is up there dancing the entire time i'm thinking like <laughs> this is ray walston they got him dancing in the background way off in the distance for that hilarious I noticed yeah. that that's so cool long before he was mr hand that's true yeah uh, from fast times original yeah Ryan. or uh pappy from popeye yeah that's right he was pappy um, I also like the guy who plays Carl Matushka, <laughs> their brother-in-law. Oh yeah, he's, he's um, great. Yeah, yeah it's Cost a small part, but of like he feels very authentic uh, yeah. in that role, and that's and just he, a great he name too. Underplays that too. Yeah. He could have easily been some Goomba stereotype. Character. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like he he, he feels just like a, a lived-in like rough yeah. roughneck guy who still cares about her. Um, what's another famous romantic comedy where somebody's running to meet somebody on New Year's Eve? Is this, a, is this a quiz? This oh. is a quiz. Okay. <laughs> Let me think. I know the answer because it's my favorite movie. But I have oh, it. Is it New Year's Eve? Yeah. It's New Year's Eve. The movie no. New Year's Eve? Oh, no. Eve? <laughs> uh, hold on. I got to um, know this. What is it? What, what era are we talking? 1989. Another Summer. Sound of the Funky Drummer. Don't pay no attention to that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm oh, out. 1989. Written by Nora Ephron. It's like it's like the romantic comedy of all romantic. Is comedies. it Sleepless in Seattle? Oh, it's before that. Uh, Directed by Rob Reiner. Oh, Harry Met. It's when Harry Met Sally. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, but he runs to yeah, meet her. He runs to meet her. Yeah, um, but he kind of does have his head the same way that Shirley MacLaine does, which is like <laughs> it almost looks like they're running against rain or wind, but they're not. Do you know what I mean? Like her her head was like looking up as she's leading with her nose or something. Yeah. Watch it, you guys. You would know what I'm talking about. It's a very strange way to run. The misdirection of the champagne pop, you know, which could be a gunshot, is is fun. And then the unsubtle. Is it fun? Is that the way? Is it's that so fun. <laughs> it's so fun. He might be it's dead. It's like really upsetting. I know. I, I did find it fun. <laughs> you did? I know. It yeah. is upsetting, but I I was just like, it's just when you realize it is a champagne bottle and yeah. the answers the door. So happy. You're, it is I was fun. so relieved. A famous scene from the children's hour, which I think probably came out before this, right? Where you hear someone shoot themselves in the room aside. Yeah. And I wonder if there was an element of expectation of like, that was in the consciousness or something. Well, that's here. in the seagull too. Yeah, yeah. When the son shoots himself. Constantine. Did you Off-stage. notice when he answers the door with the champagne bottle, how much it's spilling it's over? It's overflowing in like Freudian subtext. Yeah. Yes. It's so funny. And I, in, um, we did a Ghost Girls episode where we, 
we're supposed to have a, a bottle pop and just like pour over and spill all over someone. And the way they rigged it was really crazy. It was with like a pump that they like drilled into the bottom. And there was like a man, I think, like blowing into it, like off screen. So I'm That's sure they way more Freudian. <laughs> it was. I'm sure they had some sort of pump going into that bottle. Right. Because I don't think even if you shaked it up real good, it would. Yeah. spill like that it also popped off camera they're always sloshing um sloshing champagne around yeah. and martinis he around in this movie they're just yeah. stuff is spilling every <laughs> scene yeah uh carla would you like to give this movie a letter grade um i will give it an a an a mm-hmm. what does that stand for for amanda's observations <laughs> <laughs> how many a's would you say you've given how many a's You've given a fair amount. Maybe You've 10? Give... No. Out of 80? Well, are you including A minuses? I think you've given at least 30 movies an A or an A minus. Wow. Oh, okay. Have That's you not given bad. That seems about right. Yeah. Hey, everybody who's leaving uh, reviews that says that I don't like anything. <laughs> <laughs> are people saying that? <laughs> yes. 30 movies I've given an A or an A minus to. Any I've... Fs? Any Fs? I don't remember. I think the there's been a few that you've opted out of even rating. Uh, Why? You abstained for what? <laughs> I don't remember. Well, you but I think more the ones that you've opted out are The Hustler, 2001, Touch of Evil and Paths of Glory. Why? The Hustler? Why did I opt out of that? I one? don't know. I can't remember that. What is that movie? <laughs> the Pool Guy. It's the, it's about the pool oh, guy. Oh, right, right, right. Because <laughs> I was boy. tired when we were watching it, mm. and I knew I could tell it was a good movie, oh, but I wasn't into recusal, it. A recusal, not yes. an abstention. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. yeah, more just like I'm not going to be fair in my rating to this because I was tired when I watched gotcha. it. I see. I like that. A recusal, not a, an abstention. Two thousand one. I think it was, did I opt out of it? You did opt out. I think it was after hearing Eben's impassioned defense of the movie. If, yeah. So Eben oh, Schletter like was like amazing in his defense of 2001 to the he point was where Atticus Finch. I was questioning all of my, <laughs> my choices about everything. Wow. So I was like, I can't rate this movie now because I didn't like it, but now I think I love it. <laughs> Uh, so I have to watch or it. Or the idea of it. Or the idea of it. Yeah. <laughs> In Evan's head. That's yeah, yeah. fair. I think that's very um, responsible of you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. But I think movies that you gave a D include The Rules of the Game and Blue Velvet and Close Encounters. I think you gave a C minus maybe. Oh, wow. Mm, pretty harsh. You didn't care for that. Amanda? A. I loved it. Yeah. Matt? A. Yeah. Yeah. A for me too. It's one of the all timers. Uh, for a long time, this was the last black and white movie to win the best picture Oscar. I somehow have for years remembered this as a color movie. And even when I turned it on like last night, I'm like, that's right. It's black and white. And it does seem like it would have and should have been in color. I like that it's not, but that makes more sense. Why is it not in color? Why did he choose to do that? I don't know. I think. It, it would be a different movie. Definitely. I, I like that it, it kind of emphasizes the drabness of the apartment yeah. in a way. And we don't really, and again, like with the posters of modern art and everything, like we might get distracted by those or whatever. Oh. Like I've never really thought about them or noticed them. So if like everything kind of feels like just lived in 
And it really is beautiful black and white yeah. photography there's too. There's a scene where she's in the restaurant and there's like uh, somebody smoking behind her. And I just thought, wow, this would not have looked the same in color with the smoke. Like, sure. Yeah. And on the New Year's Eve celebration of the restaurant too, of like the, they're all kind of uh, underlit a, a yeah. bit and in silhouette. Uh-huh. Like that looks really cool too. Yeah. So, but so now it's streaming on Hulu, I think, and like the poster for it is in color. So I just wonder who is like sitting down and like, oh, I can't watch this because this is in black and white after they think they're like turning on a color movie or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then Schindler's List won in 93 and The Artist won in 2011 or whatever. And this year it could be another one. Roma is a, is a major Did you contender. See Roma? Oh, we no. haven't seen it yet. It's so wonderful. It's go see list. it on, go, go to the theater. You think it's a must see in the big screen. Will you watch it? Yeah, I want to. It's on our list. Yeah. We're really happy we went to the theater to see it, although you okay. can watch it streaming on Netflix. I mean, you yeah. have a bigger TV than we do, so maybe it would be. But different. do you think this would be okay or we should maybe go see it in the do theater? Outdoor screening. Well, we then we, it's pouring rain. Today, right now. <laughs> I don't right think now, that's a good idea. I don't think it's so. It's really, it's really lovely to watch and like to be able to see, like he just has so many things on different planes in the shot, you know? Yeah. So like similar to this where things are happening in the background. It'd be a nice night to go see a movie. That's true. There's also a new like surround sound technique that he's pioneered with this movie too. And so you get like, you're walking down the streets of Mexico City and like hearing like little isolated, you know, dialogue <gasps> cool. and sound all around you. We saw it at the, the Vista. Oh, yeah. Do you have to go to a special theater for that? I don't know if that's every sure. screening, but definitely at the Vista, like it was set to up To the point where way. I turned because I thought that somebody was talking behind us. You were going to go to I was. I was like kind of mad. And then I realized like, oh, no, it's just somebody in the background at this restaurant. Wow. <laughs> you should do that tonight. I haven't left the house in a while. Sounds great. Yeah. Look at Margo. She's Margo always cuddling on her you. daddy. She always is on his lap. Anytime so he sits down, she hops right up Aww. and cuddles on him. And I don't have the heart to get her off because she always makes my legs fall asleep because she weighs like as much as a bicycle. <laughs> so I always have to have Amanda get up and do something called a tootie scooch. Amanda doesn't do it. What is this? Come on, Margo. I want another martini. <laughs> <laughs> Our life is kind of like turning into the apartment. I know. When that woman did that, I was like, that's literally me. <laughs> that's like... Yeah, you called Dobrich, Dobrich and, and his floozy, didn't you say? That the, the people in the beginning were like, oh, that's you and me. It, it is. It, that is <laughs> what we're doing what when no one's here. Because we are, we do drink martinis at home. Yeah. Sometimes. So cute. Well, I'm going to keep the, the apartments at number 18 right now. Who knows whether, you know, the, the movies ahead of it will fall down, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep it as my favorite movie that we have watched thus far. Yay! So, wow. Ahead. That's, that's how every is, episode should theoretically It should be. theoretically end that way, but. Your uh, list is alive? Like it might change? My list is alive. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I love right describing it like it's that. Alive. It feels alive. How like much I can't get it out of my life. On this go through. <laughs> I think. I'm going to be taking at least 10 movies out. Out? You, do you know which ones are going in? No. Oh, so every oh. year it, it changes. I don't redo it every year. We started this podcast a little over two years ago. Uh, I, I try to redo it about every 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. So, <laughs> you, yeah. so you have you peek time. any that might be coming in? <laughs> like possible contenders? Well, we mentioned Almost Famous. That's a possible contender. <gasps> really? That's yeah. a good one. I would like to get another Pixar movie in there. I have Toy Story 3. I would like to get some more Pixar. 
I'm Alfonso Cuaron makes me think of Children of Men. Oh yeah, is something that I might want to get in there. Yeah, and I'd watch it again. Ooh, and I, what, the almost famous would be a good backyard movie. Yeah. P.S. Yeah. Can you invite uh, us that one? I yes. Like oh, yeah, yes. you're invited full time. <laughs> we just quit them for. <laughs> what was the reason we quit this year? I don't remember. We didn't. Did we? We just didn't do really many. Maybe you started your construction or yeah, something. Uh, and I don't have any PTA, so like there's Boogie Nights and Magnolia could be oh, contenders, yeah. you know? Isn't it? Oh, I don't want to be mean, but I, if you had said like, who are some of your favorite directors? I'd say, oh, Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson. And then I looked at the last four movies that he's made and I was like, I didn't like any of those movies. <laughs> Phoenix and Thread? Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, I love that one's good. I, really, I, I didn't love, care that's for funny it. because I watched Magnolia not too long ago and couldn't stand Felt like it. it didn't oh, really? hold up. And that's yeah. one of my favorite movies, oh, Magnolia. I, I, though I still, I think, love Boogie Nights, but I haven't seen that in a while either. That'd be a good rewatch. Oh, here's one that I know will Maybe make best. the list is Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, oh I'd re- we got to rewatch that. I'd love to rewatch yeah, that. Yeah, we got to rewatch really Right now, I only have Rushmore as a Wes Anderson movie, and I, I want to add uh, Grand Budapest. That's one of my favorites, too. Uh, would you guys like to do a brief improv scene with us? Oh, yes. I forgot about this. No, so we, we were wondering, as we said, like, what happens to Cece and, and, uh, to Cece and Fran? Oh. Uh, so this is maybe a little, you know, a couple weeks later after the movie, and they're on a double date, uh, with Dr. and Mildred Dreyfus. <laughs> <laughs> I forget how Mildred sounds, though. You know, deep down, you know. It was just like an older Jewish lady, right? (laughs) Sure. Okay. Just like that. (laughs) Why don't you two eat? You're not eating. Well, uh, this is uh, well different than how I prepared at home. Say that right, Franny. (laughs) Well, yeah, because he likes to drain his pasta on a tennis racket. Well, why wouldn't I? The strings dry up and you can play, uh, get an extra bounce out of your uh, Wilsons. Can I have a little bit more champagne, please? You've got to slow down with the drinking, you too. Yeah, just because he drinks all the time does not mean that you have to just do it because he's doing it, all right? Well, we're so happy you invited us over. It's our last dinner at uh, As Your Neighbors. We're we're moving tomorrow. What? You're moving. You didn't tell him? Well, I just didn't have the choice, you know, with all the uh, things we got to prepare and all the guns and stuff to box up. <laughs> Razors. I knew. He, I told you he had a gun in there. You I told can't you have that. a gun in the house. It's the most dangerous thing. <laughs> Are you saying that as a doctor or a neighbor? I'm saying that as a doctor and a neighbor and as a gun enthusiast who keeps mine locked up at the range. Because you know if you have a gun in the house, by the end of the story, the gun has to be used. Check off, basically. Mm. We're moving out west where the uh, you know the Wild West and the guns are, are just a regular old thing. <laughs> I hear that uh, the, west, like, the population in the west just keeps expanding. You should stay here. It just stays the same in New York. New York's always going to be the same. Eight million flat. Well, somebody right, leaves. Had... Some they bring somebody in. Oh, so maybe you're going to get two new neighbors. Oh, oh no. no! We just got used to you. <laughs> you're getting Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. <laughs> oh, oh, they they sound interesting. <laughs> Are they they're like an updating of like what's going on with sort you? Sort of. But if you thought my place was noisy, wait till you hear her go off. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, can I put one more line in? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Mrs. Mildred, Mm -hmm. can you do this line reading for me? I'll have what she's having. (laughs) I'll have what she's having. (laughs) Fancy.
<laughs> Matt and Amanda, uh, what a delight. Thank so you fun. so much for, for joining Thank us. Thank you. And thanks for hosting us, too. This is so nice. Oh, this is, yeah. Thanks for coming over. Thank yeah. you, Margo, for having us. Margo, I Margo. love you. <laughs> Margo, you make me want to get a kitty again. Say something, please. <laughs> and what are you guys having going on? Anything in the podcast what world? What do you have yeah. going on in the, in the podcasting you, world? Check out the big ones. Um, we're back out season four. Uh, that should be on iTunes. Um, when will this come out? This is coming out January 22nd. Yeah, so we'll have a couple episodes out. Our first one is with um, Paul Tompkins and Janie Haddad Tompkins. Already heard it, and it's fantastic. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, so check that out. Matt? Well, we just wrapped up a new season of Superego, which is now on Stitcher Premium. If you go there and use the code SUPEREGO, you can get a full month free, and you can listen to that season for free and all of our past seasons and specials. And... uh, what else is coming up? James Bonding starting back up. Um, put a couple to bed. Starting up some new ones. What? <laughs> put a couple to bed. I put a couple podcasts to bed oh. last year. <laughs> I put a couple to bed. <laughs> what did you think I meant? Like I put a you were, couple to you bed. Tucked, a couple you tucked a couple, a married couple. Yeah. We've all just had sex in our brains from uh, from watching the apartment. Yeah. Yeah. So. This will end with me putting Carla and Craig to bed. <laughs> Back to bed. Gonna be in our bed, and then we'll just go out and see Roma. Awesome. I've always wanted to take a nap at your house. <laughs> Please do. Well, Carla, the next movie on my list, uh, we're going to watch In My House, where my wife sleeps, oh. where my children come and play with their toys. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, this is a sequel to another movie. Uh, have you covered the first one? We have not I covered the first one. Oh, I'm was that, that Al Pacino? That was indeed Al Pacino. Godfather. Uh, it's My God. But The Godfather Part 2. I knew it. So, I like Godfather Part 2 better than Godfather. Do you? Okay. And do you think you'd be cool watching the second one without having watched the first one first? I don't know. Should we watch them both? And then only cover the second one? And then if you have to cover the first one, will you rewatch it or just go off what you remember? I will. But if she, if she's know, watched if it a few months ahead of time, I <laughs> yeah. think that's probably good. Because Godfather 2 is do? about... I would watch them both because also they're so both so good. And I was actually listening to the Rewatchables podcast about the Godfather and they were going over that timeless debate of which is better. And they came up with something that I thought was interesting that Godfather 2 is the better movie but Godfather 1 is more rewatchable. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. I think I still prefer one. But okay. I don't know. But they both have so many iconic scenes, yeah. iconic lines. So we're going to cover The Godfather Part 2. And we have a very funny guest joining us. Mr. Steve Agee is oh, going God. to be our, wow. be our guest. for Big uh, fans great. of Steve in this <laughs> room. Did you hear oh, Margo's reaction? Oh. Sounds like a good time. Wow. So Craig's listeners, I think we've made you an offer that you cannot turn down. The <laughs> <laughs> list is an absolute good. The list is life.